podcast made by, for, and about the Oscars. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. Welcome, 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 welcome. I, I don't even know how many times to say welcome anymore. I don't even, it's Fans on the Run. It's a show. It, fans on the Run is the show that can and will. I'm going to leave it ambiguous like that. Just let my, just let you, my audience, fill in the blanks. Because I think that's best. Oh, God. Out of my top 10 train wreck introductions, I think that's got to take the fucking cake somewhere in the top five. But as I tend to say a lot in the show, I digress. Uh, we, we have a great guest for you today. Uh, she is one half of Because the Beatles or BC the Beatles. Please give a warm welcome, Erica White. Welcome to Fans on the Run. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. The, the last time we, we spoke, there was a lot of drinking going on on a different podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm not going to say which one uh, because I need to fiercely protect myself and <laughs> we need, you know, we need to shut out the competition. Oh, yes. I know what you mean. No. Shout out to Blotto. Let me just say, I will never hear the words Bob Dylan again without feeling just a little nauseous. <laughs> well, uh, something's on the cards for my birthday in August and I'm already terrified. Oh, you're going to have fun. Define fun. Um, Because the guys are great, but it's I've never consumed the amount of alcohol that I think is required for a Blotto Beatles episode before. You know, you got to pace yourself. Do it yeah. on your own terms. You know, I won't say, I won't name names, but a certain other Because the Beatles co-host maybe went yeah. a little over the top. And by the end of that Blotto Beatles How did session, you know I was going to reference that? <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because they have a magical mystery word where if you say it, you have to drink. <laughs> and our word was Bob, our phrase was Bob Dylan because we were doing, you've got to hide your love away. But by the end, she was so drunk that she thought the magic the the magical mystery word was uh robert zimmerman because we were saying that in place of bob dylan so she kept saying bob dylan bob dylan bob dylan <laughs> well see when i was i was there i figured out what the magical mystery word was and since i was just kind of in a position where i you know legally couldn't drink because i was on camera on stream people know who i am i was just saying it to stir shit yeah, I actually did that at the very end of the podcast, too, which, you yeah. know, I personally regret it the next day, too. You only regret it the next day. It's true. We had a good time, and I'm glad that we recorded it because, you know, some of us don't remember everything that happened toward the end, but it sounded like a real good time. So, uh, you know, we're talking about Beatles. I'll ask you this. What are some of your other favorite Beatle podcasts? Oh, God. Besides Fans on the Run. Well, of course I love Fans on the Run. And I do love Blotto and I love Another Kind of Mind and their sister podcast, One Sweet Dream. I think they have a really interesting take on, I mean, they have their whole breakup yeah. series, but you know, if you listen to, for example, the episode um, they did in 2019 on Yoko, I was listening to that the other day. It's, they've got some really great insights and you know, they're, I find that they're really fair on both sides. They call out John's shit and they called out Yoko's shit which I really like you know they didn't take 
kind of an apologist view, which I call myself an apologist. So I believe that I do that. So I respect those who do not. I, I should just say this out of the gate. Fans on the run don't take kindly to puns. Oh, no. I just You're kidding. called fans on the run. <laughs> yeah, I, I realized that as it, I was, it was coming out of my mouth. I'll, I'll okay it, it, rule rule redacted i'll just die inside there you go there you go there you. i'm not that big on puns so don't worry about it that's probably the last one that will happen there there is a show that i did not too long ago where like every five every 30 seconds my guest would drop a pun yikes and oh no it, it was a good show it was a good show but just at the end i had to shut off the zoom meeting abruptly because i just couldn't take it anymore <laughs> oh no i hope you didn't head, hit your head too hard on your desk after it was over no i kind of just blacked out so i don't really know what happened oh it, I, I mean it sounds just like recording a blotto beatles episode exactly <laughs> except no magical mystery word or karaoke that's true karaoke well, fans is on the run should get some karaoke Oh, you should. You definitely Sometimes should. I'm a terrible singer, and I would lose what's left of my audience. But karaoke is all about giving it your all, regardless of your singing Yeah, ability. but I don't give anything my all. Anyone who's listened to this show knows this. Well, I, for one, think that's bullshit, because I saw the Christmas card you made for Allison. Well, that's and that, different. That was a masterpiece. I still have that. Uh, she, she sent me two. I still I have them. Good. It's so good for okay for just for the record for you out there who may not know the card I designed for Allison uh it was a Christmas card based on the the Phil Spector Christmas album a Christmas gift for you but with her cat Epi in place of all of the all of the bands yes and Allison was Darlene Love it was perfect but the little touches on the back, like there was a QR code with the, the playlist, but it yeah. all just kind of. Well, but worked. that was her idea. That was her idea. I can't take it's credit a... for that. Okay. Well, still great collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was fun. I'm just reminiscing now. No time for reminiscing. I have to do a show. <laughs> oh, hard work. Let's do it. Hard work. All right. <laughs> I think I should hit you with a question first. All right. Erica, when did you first discover the Beatles? Oh, wow. That was a, that was a long time ago now because I'm quite old. Um, when I was about eight years old, my dad had a mixtape and he put it on in the car and I just fell in love with the sound. It was an early Beatles tape. You know, I don't even know why. It's just something about the sound and whatever it was, like I just got obsessed and kind of never stopped. And it very nicely coincided with a gigantic Paul McCartney tour a little while later. So that- Do you still just, have this mixtape? Um, I don't, well, my dad might have the mixtape. I don't know. I know it was early Beatles. Cause like you could, you know, put them all on Spotify and, you know, make your own little recreation of that mixtape. God, I wish we had that kind of thing back then. I remember when I went to my first Paul McCartney concert, I went and I brought a tiny little notebook so I could write every song down so I could get the playlist order so I could make a mixtape when I got Before home. Before the days like, of setlist.fm or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Between then and whenever he put out like the concert CD, I needed a playlist. Do you want to hear something on the polar opposite end of that spectrum? You're writing 
the thing down so you can remember the set list. I, I'm one of those awful people. I have set list FM pulled up on my phone during the concert, looking at the previous night's set list because I don't like unpredictability. Oh my God, what are you looking for when you can go pee when you don't like the song? No, it's just, I like having a gauge to know. It's like, oh, he's playing a uh, Sergeant Pepper now. That means there's only, you know, eight songs till the end. I can start mentally preparing to leave. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever works for you. The, the only time I didn't do that was when, um, actually, no, I didn't do that when I, at the start of my second McCartney concert, because I, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I want to be surprised. And then temporary secretary, he started playing it. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I whipped out the phone. It's like, what else is he going to do? <laughs> that was just too much. It's too much excitement. Too much surprise. Oh God. All the blood rushed to my brain. <laughs> that was also the concert where he pointed at me from the stage. Oh, no kidding. That's great. How You were close then. Oh no, I wasn't. I was in the upper balcony. <laughs> it's, it's I don't know if you could actually see me but everyone in the in the section was rooting for me it's like Paul up here because I had a sign and I was wearing a Sergeant Pepper jacket oh that's like, awesome Paul, up here and then I at the end of the song he was like oh he, you totally had a moment with Paul that's awesome yeah. that's amazing and I could tell at one point when he was doing the reading the signs he was trying to read my sign but mm -hmm. I had written too small and so he was just kind of like what did it say I don't remember. Ah, it, it's going to be one of those things lost to time. Well, let's hope that COVID is over soon. Paul tours again, and you'll have another kick-ass sign. And maybe this time he will read it out loud. Apologies for like hijacking your story, like less than three minutes into the proper interview. <laughs> oh, that's okay. What, what was I saying? Oh, just when I became a Beatles fan, you know. Yes. <laughs> mixtape my dad you know I was a huge nerd still am a huge nerd so all I really did was buy Beatles books and sit in my room and read Beatles books for like a very long time number of years and what was the I, first Beatle book you had um it was it was the Nicholas Schaffner book and I can't and it has the black cover with like sort of a rubber solely sort of look of the four Beatles heads on it I think was it called the Beatles forever Yes. Yes. The Beatles it was, Forever. Yeah, it was that one and the Beatles and Illustrated Record are the two that I remember having. And I remember the Beatles, the Illustrated Record. It had the story of John's death. So I would only read until I knew that part was kind of coming. And then, no. And I wouldn't read that anymore because I couldn't do it yet. See, the thing is, I, I like asking about fans that aren't in my generation because every time I ask someone like my age like what was the first Beatle book you had like oh it was some book that just said the Beatles oh. it's like none of these none of these kids these days who've been <laughs> into the Beatles read good Beatle books anymore there's no Seriously. Philip Norman there's none of that <laughs> absolutely also we had like four Beatles books to choose from yeah in like the 80s so you know well, but those four Beatle books were good Beatle books. They were good Beatle books. I wish I still had that Beatle book. I also wish I still had my Paul McCartney World Tour scrapbook. It was so good and I can't find it. I lost it a while back. You had back. a scrapbook? 
Oh my God. I saved everything. Like every ticket, every, like I would buy like magazines, you know, get my parents to buy me magazines and cut out anything about Paul McCartney. Then I went to concerts and I took pictures and developed pictures and I had all this stuff. I don't have it anymore. See, I wish I had done something cool, like a scrapbook. Cause the most I did was just, you know, or order the tickets on Ticketmaster and then print them out. And then there you have the concert. You know, that's good too, though, because if you don't, I don't know, there's just so, there was so much that went into being a, like a fan then because you didn't have the internet yet. Yeah, I know, but I, I long for that because everything's so easy now. Well, I do remember staying outside, me and my dad going to get tickets very, very, very early in the morning and, you know, basically sleeping outside to get tickets, so. How close did you get to the stage with the tickets? Not close because back then there was not like you would go to the uh, the store. It was like um, like a sharper image or one of those stores like that. And they had like a ticket master booth and you would stand outside and it was whatever was released to that particular um, outlet, ticket outlet was what they had. And they, um, you know, I remember we were in the back row, but the, the better thing about that was that my dad had a friend who somehow got us into the second night. So Paul was doing two nights and he skipped a night. And in the middle of those two nights, we got to go to a filming of the Get Back video. What? So, you know, the Get Back video yeah. of the, yeah. So, so, you know, because I guess they were trying to get the right camera angles and they were trying to do it in, in you know, as like well-produced a way as possible, they had these these interim concerts where a smaller group of people would be going and they filmed it. And it was like, they would stop and start, you know, it was like a production thing, but, you know, I got to go with my dad and with, I guess, some work friends, I can't remember who it was. And we were down on the floor and we got to be part of the Get Back movie. You were there when they were as- filming to yeah. get back and i don't know how many times they did that maybe they did that in every venue but it was so cool that's all that doesn't matter how many venues it's you were there it was so that amazing awesome yeah that was one of my favorite like beetle memories because it's so weird i have no idea how we even got there what what was the first uh you mentioned the 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 mixtape of the early stuff what was the first beetle album or cd or cassette that you owned I think probably, well, my dad had everything already. He was a huge Beatles fan and he had every single album. I even remember coming across the Two Virgins album once and being like, oh my God. Oh, so your dad was a, like really into them if he had Two Virgins. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, he never, he was never that into the solo catalog. So I don't even know why that existed in our house, but it was there and it was terrifying to me being like eight. But- well i am fucking terrified too it was awful i still am terrified mm-hmm. that's maybe the reason why i don't own that record yeah i i, I would never go and buy one of those now it's a good uh, thing spotify is great if i want to hear it i don't have to see the cover if i want to buy it like the very least i'm buying the one that still has a paper bag on it mm-hmm. and i'm not taking that paper bag off ever i'm see, not that's the thing my dad's album had the paper bag on it. If you're a kid and you see an album with a paper bag, you have to go inside and see what it is. Because mm-hmm. there were other albums with paper bags, like that that one Led Zeppelin album. You had to mm-hmm. take it out. 
and it's like oh look in through the outdoor or whatever <laughs> it's like oh let's take a look oh my god that's john oh lennon's penis yikes <laughs> yeah it was it was a it was an anatomy lesson i didn't need but i think my first album was it was a record called rarities i think it was a silver record like me and my dad we would go down to this, this it was called a nostalgia store i lived and grew up in rhode island in newport and it had like bootlegs and you know the kind of things that you find on youtube now or if you go to a beatles fest they have in the marketplace or whatever and this was like the only place so we could get like rare sort of beatles records and i remember that one being a favorite yeah. But I think of the standard Beatles albums, Abbey Road was probably my first like full album that I really connected with. Well, but that that's interesting though that if Rarities might have been your first, the the American one with the silver cover, because mm-hmm. that that's just an odd bunch of songs. Yeah, well, I never really like you know there there are some there are some scholars that are like all about the albums and the US releases and the and the British releases, like I barely know my albums because I really did learn off of like weird albums and mixtapes that my dad made, mixtapes that I made. It's like, hard getting a gauge of the catalog when you grow up with albums like love songs and real music. It's yeah, like, seriously. Well, where does this go? Yeah, some I of know- them weren't even like sanctioned Beatles albums, but you had them. Exactly. Like the, those weird two rock and roll music albums that were one and then they were split in two and then they had the ugly cover of them on the plane. I hate that album. <laughs> I hate those albums. I'm venting. Why do you hate them exactly? Because you seem very, oh my have a strong God, they are. Oh my fucking God, they're so ugly. <laughs> I don't remember what they look like. I'm going to have to take a look again. Oh, they, it's the the original one has them it's like this silver foily thing and it's them it's like this picture from the cover of the Beatles second album but it looks all 50s rock and roll and it's so weird oh you hate this so much I, need I to do see it. well <laughs> if you can fill like a few seconds of dead air I can go grab the record and show it for internal purposes okay yeah so you know, Abbey Road was probably my first major album. I have some really strong, like, kid memories of that kind of thing. Like, Abbey Road always reminds me of being driven to summer camp. I don't know why, but certain songs, that's all I will think about is summer camp. Or I have a couple of songs that are, like, I associate them with, like, playing Super Mario Brothers. And I can never think of the song without thinking about, like, a certain level in Super Mario Brothers. It's just weird connections when you have, like, weird mixtapes. Okay, I am back. Thank you for filling me in. I made it. I, I, I made heard it. something about Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I used, to, I used to play Nintendo all the time. And I would turn off the music and I would mm-hmm. turn on whatever album I had. And there are some songs that like I have such a strong memory. Like I can't hear the acoustic part of Band on the Run without thinking of those levels in Super Mario Brothers 2. If you've ever seen the classic games where they go down in the oh, sand. I love it. Oh, where you have to like keep digging to yep. go down. I don't know why, but that's, I always think of that. I must've like really had a hard time with that level and put on all the best or something. You think I have strong <laughs> thoughts about this album? I have strong thoughts about Super Mario Brothers too. It's not good. It wasn't, ma- it wasn't made by the same people. It was like a repurposed yeah. game from someone else and you could it, tell. It was like some other Nintendo game that was made in Japan for some other thing that they thought, 
because they had made a different Mario 2. And they're like, man, this will be too hard for those dumb Americans. Let's just put Mario on this one and call it Mario 2. And then you get to Mario 3 and it's just like how it was. Yeah, it's weird. Like all different powers and like they glide and they dig. Yes. Oh, yeah, those aren't very nice at all. No, and it's the same cover and it's ugly and I hate it. What's the next question? God, if we were in person, we can go out and like burn them in a trash can or something. Well, I wouldn't burn them because they cost me money. <laughs> no, I, and plus there are much worse looking Beatle albums than that. Okay, which one? The Australian cover of With the Beatles is so fucking ugly. I want to get a time machine, fly to Melbourne, 1964, and deck whoever did that in the face. Oh, wow. You have strong opinions on this. I do. Well, uh, you know, well we're, both graphic, yeah. we're both graphic designers. Yes, we are. Yeah. We, we get wound up about stupid things of like, you know, how things look. I will say on that, on that note, my favorite Beatle cover is the Butcher album. I love it so much. Not, not the trunk version. Oh, no, I think that's Paul's hair looks so weird in the, the well, trunk. I think he looks more like scary. Like that's more of a Paul is dead clue to me, that trunk album than the Butcher cover. Like he looks really like they all look so tired and angry and pissed off and Butcher cover. They're just so happy with all that yeah. and meat and with doll's heads. <laughs> I, oh, I want to live in a parallel universe where Capitol Records never recalled that. Oh my God. That'd be so funny. Yeah. Just like all these people are like, ah, oh, first they say they're bigger than Jesus. And then they put the, put the dead babies on the cover. And it's I like, know that it might've started the 1980 satanic panic 20 years earlier. Exactly. It's like, well, what's this with the, what's the song rain? Why are, why are the backwards words? Why is John <laughs> Lennon trying to talk to Satan? Oh my God. But yeah, Butcher Cover is amazing. And I don't even eat meat. I love Butcher Cover though. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's a perfect, you know, representation of meat as murder. That is true. That is yeah. true. Eat your heart at Morrissey. <laughs> Plus in college, we used to have this doll head. So like, it reminds oh. me of that. Yeah, we found a doll head in the street like our first year in college and it was just the head. Okay. So we named her head and we like as you do yeah we dyed her hair we like put pins in her face like she's been she's glittered now we we, we switch her around between a couple of my college friends you know she just arrives as a package one day and we keep her for a while i don't have her now otherwise i would show her to you okay <laughs> that's a bit to unpack yeah maybe maybe another podcast for that one it's a little weird it's not weird. I'm sure, you know, seemingly the normal people have even weirder things. That, yeah, well, nobody's normal. I know there's that quote about from Paul McCartney about like, normal is, is normal is the weird and you have to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I am to everyone listening right now. It's, I haven't slept very well in a few days, so you're getting kind of lucid even. <laughs> this is a rare, this is a rare occurrence. Really? This is a rare occurrence, but this is a treat. I'm having the, fun. 
well, I'm having fun. And that's all that matters. Who, who yeah. gives a fuck about the people listening? <laughs> fuck you. It's my show. I, I want to have fun. <laughs> I cannot wait to see your ratings after this comes out. Oh, I haven't looked at my ratings in over a year. <laughs> I could have five stars. I could have one star. I don't know. And of course, by saying that, I just realized some smart ass will probably go to iTunes. It's like, well, I'll give it one star then. Nah, they only give you one star if you talk about Trump. Take it from me. Yeah. <laughs> so you host a Beatle podcast too. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. How, how did that happen? Uh, well, I met Allison um, when she was running this online news magazine called Rebeat. Uh, about like classic rock music and culture and I had a Beatles blog and so I pitched to write for her and then I started writing for her mostly about the Beatles but about a couple other things too I got to interview Peter Yarrow from Peter Paul and Mary once which is like one of the highlights of my life because I was obsessed with them as a kid um and that is awesome it was so cool it was like I, I barely remember it because it was like uh but anyway so we we went to a lot of Beatles fests and we started being on panels and then moderating panels and we got really into that. And, you know, it kind of evolved naturally from there. You know, these things are only, we only go a couple of times a year. Wouldn't it be fun to do this all the time? So Rebeat kind of evolved into this, pro our project, which is because the Beatles or BC the Beatles. And, you know, we came out in 2018 and we're like one of the, first like second third generation Beatle fan podcasts out there I feel like like it's it's weird that we're like the old guard almost now because there's so many new Beatle podcasts well, but there's there's practically a new Beatle podcast like every six minutes these days yeah I think a lot of people are thinking about that as a fun quarantine project which like uh guilty hey the more the merrier it's great it's great oh, but I I seem to be one of the the first quarantine beetle podcast well there you go you are also a pioneer so i am i am a pioneer <laughs> yeah so we did that and but not in the weird old-timey racist pioneer kind of way yeah no no, no. We, i didn't i didn't assume the racist part yeah yeah i just wanted that on the record good not racist <laughs> no i'm happy i'm very happy to hear that because yeah. i would leave if you were i i would i even if someone was racist, I doubt they would like host a podcast and be like, you know what? Guess who I don't like? Wait, didn't Rush Limbaugh do that like every day until he died? <laughs> He's dead now. <laughs> I, know. I know. Oh, you're not supposed to be mean. No. He's okay. dead. It's funny. Yeah. Goodbye, boy. Um, anyway, so my podcast, me and Allison, we felt that there wasn't enough representation out there of second and third generation voices, of female voices, and we decided that we wanted to have that. We wanted to hear it, so we made it ourselves, and we've been doing it for almost yeah, two and a half years now. We're going to have our 50th episode. Obviously, we don't record every week. Our 50th episode in late August, which we are hoping that will co coincide with us being able to go to Liverpool for International Beals Week. So, all nice. works. Yeah. So, now we, we kind of mentioned that there's been an influx of new podcasts. How do you feel about that, that kind of representation now? as opposed to 2018 
It's just, it's exploding. It's getting a lot better. And I think that's good because, you know, we all have a choice in what we want to listen to and the narrative that we want to hear. But I do think for a very long time, there was a certain lens through which the Beatles story was being told. And a lot of it was, you know, white male professorial types who were first generation fans. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think history is more broad and the experience is better when you can have as many voices as you possibly can to tell the story. And something like the Beatles, it's not just, you know, the Beatles history from, you know, 1960 to 1970. It's 60 years now of Beatles fandom and a community that's risen up around the Beatles story. And so much of what we do in our podcast isn't just about the Beatles. It's about that. That's why we call it because of the Beatles, because everything we talk about is stuff that happened because of the Beatles. So Beatles and all the Beatles adjacent stuff that makes our lives so much better now. I think you just gave someone like a really good name for another podcast. Call it like Beatles adjacent. Ooh. Well, I hope it's out there. If you if you start that, let me know. I'm going to totally follow it and, and share. Charge, you for, charge royalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, podcasting is a lucrative money-making business. Let me tell oh, you. Oh man, I'm rolling. I'm rolling in the cash. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I make so much money off of my six listeners. <laughs> I just bought my fourth house in Miami. Wow, you're way behind me. Oh, I well. I mean, that International Beetle Week. I own a mansion in Liverpool. Are there mansions in Liverpool? There are now. You just willed it into existence. I did, because not only are we rich, we're wizards. I'm learning something new every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I always try and ask this when I can. And it's it's always a bit of a touchy subject. And like, I always feel, you know, as, you know, a, a mad white guy myself, like, is it my place to bring up this stuff? But um, uh, I, you're one of the the few female podcasts in this world, or not in this, I mean, in this Beatle world. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, you guys get treated kind of unfairly compared to some of the, the male podcasts? Sorry if that was a very clunky way of phrasing it. <laughs> it's fine. I totally understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, I think there is bias and I think there's been a bias not only for women and female historians, female, you know, fans who want to discuss this, but also for next generation fans who weren't there, you know, um, I know that it's, it's almost impossible to feel old in the Beatles world if you weren't around because people almost, uh, you know, some, some of them, not everybody, many of them are great, but you know, some of them who are more the old guard kind of treat you with contempt. Like, why are you talking about this stuff? You weren't there. I was there in 1967. I bought Sgt. Pepper when it came out. What do you know? Exactly. And you know what, just because you were there, you have a, I'm sure a wonderful story to tell, but it doesn't negate the other stories. And you know, there, there is also, of course, a bias toward female, female historians, female podcasters, you know, women who want to kind of enter this space that was 
mostly, you know, male dominated for a long time. I was interviewing uh, Christine Feldman Barrett, who wrote a book called A Woman's History of the Beatles. It just came out. It's amazing. And she made a really interesting point was that before the before um, about Sergeant Pepper, before Sergeant Pepper, the Beatles were a woman's domain. You know, there were not only the stereotype of the hysterical fans, but there were a lot of women who were doing things like running fan clubs and writing, you know, being journalists around the Beatles history. And then for some reason that kind of stopped and the more male academic world sort of seeped in and it didn't really change for a while. You know, I can't think of a book that was written about the Beatles by a woman in, you know, except for in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So it, it but like, yeah, there is some, there is bias and, you know, it, it's still kind of a, no, people think of it as almost a novelty. There's Beatles podcasts and then there's women led Beatles podcasts. Yeah. And there's, there's no reason why it's, there should be a subset. We don't no. talk about anything different than what the men talk about. You know, we're all just contributing different parts you know to this giant story but it hasn't changed it's still that way yeah it's got it's gotten better but there are still you know i think you know when when we make criticism we are you know oftentimes called man haters if we criticize a male where you know if a male historian criticizes you know yoko without you know a lot of you know backup for why they're criticizing yoko in that case it it kind of flies right by so there's still this double standard yeah that must be just you know frustrating like if you make any criticism have people just kind of like oh it's you know angry girls yeah i mean and we get you know the pejoratives that are used around us when people don't like what we have to say you know are things like caddy or you know man hating you know um i got a review once that said we were chatty and caddy Chatty and catty. Yes, we are nothing like that. If we were, if we had male voices, they would, those two words wouldn't even be close to part of that review, even if they didn't like what we had to say. That's a gendered way of telling somebody they didn't like what they, what we had to say, or maybe just how we said it because we were saying it with women's voices. That's just fucking stupid. I know it is stupid. And yeah, so we're, you know, we're here, we're doing it. There's so many more people who are doing it. And I think the more people who do it, the more it'll be normalized. And there won't be this, this subset in some people's minds of women's podcasts. Oh, and and even just talk about sexism in, in the Beatle community. It's, you know, I may, you know, bring things up kind of clunkily. But it's, I, I feel like I have to bring it up because my show, I would talk about Beatle fandom and whether we like it or not, that's a big part of Beatle fandom. It is. I felt, I feel like it needs to be addressed. And that's great. I mean, you know, the fact that you're a white man, like, and you're an ally, that is great. You know, I think that the more people who just think about the different experiences and talk about the different experiences, you know, and it's not just women, it's people of color, people in the LGBTQ community. There's plenty of people who we want to, you know, we want to hear from. And so I hope that more and more people come out. And talk I, about I may be a blubbering senile idiot, but at <laughs> least I want to try and, you know, you know, not ignore what's there. Nah, not blubbering, not senile. I don't oh. think idiot. 
No, I, I'd, I'd still say all three. Well, I heard your trivia questions that you made up for Blotto Beetle, so I don't think that idiot can be those, in there. Those took five days to write. They were very intense. <laughs> well, yeah, more intense than Sam Wiles? No, but those were intense <laughs> in a different way. Ah, uh, not to Sam, though. I know. I didn't know before that that there were 26 different versions of McCartney 3 that were released. God, that that's it's made me so cynical over the past year to see the McCartney marketing machine do this. It's like, I know, Paul, you're just trying to get to the top of the Billboard charts because streaming won't cover your ass anymore. Really? I have a totally different feeling about it. Please share I, yours. I love the McCartney media machine. And I mean, probably since new came out in 2013, I think that, and actually, no, new, new was just like one of the things that he did. It, it goes as far back as 2000 with driving rain, where he had that watch that took pictures and they took like black and white pictures. And um, I didn't have one. Allison had one. She can tell you it was the shit. And I wish I had one, but Paul has always really tried uh, to be at the forefront of, you know, interesting marketing. I remember when new came out, he was putting out just like random words on Twitter for a couple of days and it got people talking and it was weird. And it was interesting. He drove a bus into Times Square and played a couple of songs from new at one point. You know, there's a lot of weird, he does weird stuff. And I I'm not bashing like the, the, the more marketing side of things. Cause he did it with Egypt station too, posting those weird, you know, incomplete things that people are oh, trying to yeah. fit together. And I, I like what he was doing on social media with the dice how on Spotify, the McCartney one and two albums, you, you know, if you had it, you know, if you were listening to it, you would see a hand put a dice over it. I think that's brilliant. But when you get into selling all these different versions of the same record, it feels a little, I, I don't want to say insulting. I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. I'm just, I'm just not sure. I mean, I wouldn't collect all of them. I wouldn't, I have one and I picked my favorite color and I got my favorite color. What color so is that? I got the blue, the Australia version. Oh, nice. It was really cool. Yeah, my brother found it for me for Christmas. It was amazing. The, the nice thing about all the shops being locked down here for so long was that the shops were locked down when McCartney 3 came out. So there's a retailer here who was carrying the blue vinyl. Nice. And so you have? I got it and you can still walk in or not now because we're under another six week lockdown, but you could walk into their stores and find like stacks of those blue vinyls. Oh my God. They were so hard to find here. Well, weren't they Barnes and Noble in the States? I never saw one. I mean, I didn't go out that much, but yeah. I never, I never, I never saw one the few times I did go out, but yeah. I mean, I have no frame of reference because I haven't left the country in over a year. <laughs> so I haven't been to a Barnes and Noble in a year. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, what's the what's the bookstore chain in Canada? Is it is it uh, it's not Borders? It's something else. Chapters. Chapters. Yes. It, it's it's a chain goes by many like Chapters, Indigo, Coles, one of those. Oh, they're it, all the same. Okay. It's, it's the same company. Did they have a limited edition? 
Well, they don't carry three for the longest time. They didn't even carry like vinyl. They they only carried books. Oh, that's why I was always so you know excited whenever I got down to the states. I could go to Barnes and Noble because whole section full of like DVDs and CDs and Mm -hmm. you know huge record section. And that's like all we have really other than like you can either find if you can find an indie record store that's wonderful but a lot of folks don't have it so and we don't have places like Tower Records anymore so yeah it's where you it's the only place to really put your hands on a vinyl. The the Virgin Megastore is long dead. Oh yeah R.I.P. Well I I feel so young saying this, like I never got to go to a Tower Records or a Virgin Megastore or a Sam Goody or any of those. Oh, really? Like I, I was just getting into, you know, for lack of a better term, physical media, just as Virgin Megastore was closing down. They didn't have any in Canada, but I, I remember going to Los Angeles on like my eighth birthday and we had like pulled it up on Google maps, like oh, there's supposed to be a Virgin Megastore here. And it had like just closed down. Oh, God. Well, if you go, next time you can leave the country, if you go to LA, Amoeba's still there. And Amoeba is a fantasy land for vinyl geeks. So at least there's that still. Well, I I feel so stupid now or thinking about Amoeba because I've been there a couple times. And I'm, when I go to the record stores, I, I always go to the wall. Like mm-hmm. the wall with the, the you know, yeah, higher end stuff. Yep. And I didn't know they had a wall. Um, so next. I was just flipping through their sections like, oh, wow, Beatles import, kind of cool-ish. And if if I had looked up, it's like, oh, first pressing German magical mystery tour or something like that. That would right. be cool. Next time. Next oh. time. And next time will happen someday next time will happen someday (laughs) hopefully within the next year oh my god i hope so if the border reopens is the entire is can you not travel in and or out right now i think you can travel by plane into the states you still have to quarantine like right now i think you even have to quarantine in like a government hotel to, to get back but, you know, the the driving border, unless you're essential, it's like slammed shut. You can't like I live an hour and a half from Buffalo. We used to go like once a month to the States. I haven't mm. been able to go since March last year. Maybe someday soon. I well, hope so. I, I hope so, because I've made all these friends in the States now that I want to see. <laughs> Well, are you gonna? Are you planning on going to a Beetle Fest or something Hell like that? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's gonna happen soon. Maybe not this year, but it will happen soon. I want to. I want to pivot things to a positive note. Okay. You had mentioned that like one of your your favorite Beetle memories was you know bringing the notebook to the McCartney show and writing down the the order so you could you know make a mixtape out of that. Mm-hmm. What are some of your other favorite Beetle memories? Um, well, I'll tell one that's, that's kind of a family memory. I don't know if I've told this in the podcast. I definitely wrote about it for Reedy once. Is this going to be a fans on the run exclusive kind of? For now. Yeah. One, one day we, Allison and I have never done an Ed Sullivan show, um, episode. If we do, the story will probably end up there too. 
Well, but okay. it's an exclusive for now. Yes, for now. Yes. <laughs> so, so my grandfather was a jazz band. He played for the Woody Herman, Herman Orchestra for a long time. And in the 50s and 60s, his day job was in the Ray Block Orchestra, the house band for the Ed Sullivan Show. So he got to see a lot of acts. He, he was actually, um, he told us once, he was, uh, came out of the stage door with the guitar on the day Elvis played and he was mobbed because they thought he was Elvis. Um, he looked a lot more like the Mad Magazine cover guy than Elvis. So I don't know how they made the mistake. I guess it was just the guitar. Why, why you got to do him dirty like that, calling him Alfred E. Newman? Oh, he's a, he was adorable. He was adorable. He was so cute. Actually, he looked more like Steve Carell. He looked a lot like Steve Carell at, in his Michael Scott days. Okay. But anyway, so um, he, he was playing in that orchestra the day that the Beatles played. And while they didn't allow family to come, he did get my dad a Beatles autograph on the backside of a rehearsal call sheet for that the day before. And so um, my dad gave it to me. And so I have this Beatles autograph right there if you want to see it. Um, is it all four? It is all four. Oh my God. And on the backside, it's, 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 it was kind of destroyed. It's in two pieces. It's not in great condition, but it was all four. He had them sign in pencil. I don't know why, but it was laminated at some point. So the pencils survived, but on the back, it's got the call sheet and you can see like McCall and Brill and Davy Jones and his call time and his dressing room on the backside of this little piece of paper. Um, so that's, that was one thing. We always had that. And then uh, many years later, my brother interviewed him for some like middle school project, like interview someone in your family. And he started talking about the Beatles and he started talking about how at one point he was called into overdub George's guitar for some Ed Sullivan performance. So, oh. yeah. And he doesn't like, we have a video of him saying it. It's on the internet somewhere, but, um, and he doesn't have, he, he, I mean, he, he's passed away now, but he didn't have a really clear memory of what that was for. Cause he didn't really care. You know, like he was much more interested in, in, you know, the guitar acts, the more classical acts. He didn't care about the Beatles, um, but he has a very, he had a very clear memory of going in and overdubbing. And we can't find a record of what this is. I did ask Mark Lewison once, and he thought that what it was, was that they had reruns and the reruns, they sometimes, you know, did things to them. They beat the sound up to make them sound better than they did live. But those reruns are in the CBS vaults and nobody knows what the, they, nobody has a copy like on the outside of what the film was. So he thinks that if that really happened, it probably happened for something like one of the reruns. So it's still an open question. Uh, did, did he know what song? He didn't know what song. Um, I don't know what song, you know, I don't know what song it was either. I mean, you remember what the playlist was for the Ed Sullivan show. So yeah. it was probably one of those. My educated guess was that it was one of the Miami shows because the sound was not as good for the Miami shows. So they probably just had, you know, maybe they had one of the house band people come in and kind of make it a little stronger that he he was very clear and that he overdubbed George Harrison so 
didn't he, know he didn't that. know for Dabringo star exclamation point he did not it wasn't he wouldn't talk about john lennon or paul mccartney so he knew yeah he didn't care but he knew that is awesome yeah so that's one of my favorite beatles memories and if you give me a second i i will you know what i will show it to you after because our listeners can't can't yes. see it but later on they, I'll show they you, don't get I'll the benefit of sight right this no. is not going on youtube right so no or well, not, the, not visually yeah I, I put the audio out it's i i do not like the sight of my own face so i don't put the video because <laughs> i i'm the one who has to edit these uh yes okay I, i've only just gotten used to the sound of my own voice it's hard it took about six months i still kind of like, hate it you know editing i'm just like ugh, just yeah erase the whole thing I edit myself so much more than I edit Alice and I'm like, oh, that was a stupid thing. I'm going to cut that huge chunk out. Because well, she, to me, she sounds great and I sound like crap. So. <laughs> that, that's the one thing about this show. It's, I say a lot of stupid shit, but I never edit it out. Really? Because I, 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 I feel like that makes it more interesting if I do it that way. There you go. Happy accidents. Happy accidents. And plus, it, it just feels more raw, natural, whatever to me. Well, you, you do you. You do your show how you do it. Yeah, because I, I I don't sound good when I try and sound, you know, professional. <laughs> like the one, sh I, I once did an appearance on another podcast where, you know, the only instructions they gave me uh, were to not say the F word. Really? And, yeah, they didn't want me swearing. And so I, you know didn't handle myself very well and people in the comments called me smarmy and pretentious yeah it's like fine i guess i need to swear then i mean i don't want to, i don't think i could handle being on that podcast either like i love <laughs> i love the f word so <laughs> no that would be fucking terrible it would be fucking terrible yeah exactly plus it's my show so i can say whatever the fuck i want exactly i love it my, my policy with, with people asking, like, do you edit these shows, like, before interviews is, like, unless you say something, like, really incriminating or <laughs> I say something really incriminating, it's probably going to stay in the show. There unless they ask me to take it out and I have the moral backbone of, like, a, a Twix bar. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just crumble. It's like, okay. Do people do that? Or are people like, oh, I hated what I said and you have to take it out? Does yeah, happen? they've done that. I'm not going to say who. I could say who because I don't care, but I'm not going to. You're wielding a lot of power here and you're using it responsibly so far. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a superhero who's on the right side. Yeah, but I don't know if I am on the right side, though. Mm. Ambiguous. Uh, well, I'll, I'll hit you with these now because I, I have a feeling this could spark some good conversation. I, I do these little, little quick fire questions. Okay. Which the answers are almost never quick. So the name is just kind of facetious at this point. Okay. I'll try to be quick. I'll try yeah. to like go go with it. I, I have to keep reminding myself to say like say these in a different way because uh, do you know who Tom Hunyadi is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom makes fun of me all the time. Oh, really? For how I say it. He's always like, when he does his impression, he's like, Ethan, what is your favorite Beatles song? 
So I have to I'm like, fine, okay, I guess I'll have to say it differently. Erica, what's your favorite Beatles song? There you go. That was so natural. That was came out so of natural. That was so natural. You know, I am. It's almost really... like there's no microphone at all. Almost. Well, I, oh. by the way, your microphone is like blue and puffy. It's really cool. I can see it. It's, I love oh, it. I love it. It's My so cool. the listeners won't enjoy me moving the the stand because it makes noise, but I don't care. Well, I I enjoy it because now I see more of it. It's like a big puffy blue pom pom. It's really it's really a, fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a little gray, you know, I don't know what they call it, like dead cat thing on yeah. the microphone on a boom arm thing. If it was a little smoother, it would almost look like a beetle wick from this exactly. Angle. I could do that. I've ha- I've had people call it like my goatee. And I've also been told it looks like James Brown. <laughs> now I can see both of those. I'm going to stick with Beetlewig. I think it looks most like George's head shape from here. Living in America. <laughs> so favorite Beatles song. I am terrible with ranking things because I have a different favorite something every day. So that's very, very hard. Um, you, you can give a top five. Oh, but that, no, but you just said you don't like rankings. I'm just you can so do bad a list in no particular order of songs by the Beatles that you like really, really like. Really, really like. You know, the first one that comes to mind is Mother Nature's Son. I love that song. And I'm kind of more on like a low-key acoustic kick right now. So probably most of my songs are going to go there. I will, Julia. I love those. I also really love Maxwell's Silver Hammer, though. I think it's one of the funniest songs that they've done. And it makes me giggle every time i hear it that that's one of my favorites too but it's people always underestimate that song you know instrumentally it's like one of the best on abbey road in my opinion i think so and the storytelling is in the instruments i mean i think you especially in the newest um the new remix from like two years ago oh my god i, I could listen to that you know it, a million times and hear something new every time that lead guitar part like bam bam and then the the moog synthesizer like the early you know giant Mm -hmm. modular thing oh my god see a lot of i i feel like i get a little shit for liking songs like that but i'm i'm real into those kind of songs well you know what i can divert some attention away from that i'll say one of my favorite songs as of late is piggies i can see why though I love that song. It it's... reminds me of like a, a good time in my life. That's you know, nice. When, you know, when my dad first gave me a thumb drive with the uh, illegally pirated Beatles stereo box set. <laughs> oh, I love it. Exploring all of the, the songs. And it's like, oh, my God. Aw. It's also a, it's a really interesting song. And, you know, in our political time, it actually is very yeah. relevant still. So all these pigs. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So many picks. So those, those are where I'll go. Um, I'll, I'll also pick if I fell. I love that song. I think the harmony is some of the best harmony that John and Paul ever did together. I was going to say, until you said, if I fell, it seemed like more of your choices were kind of leaning towards the later Beatles. I think so. I, well, I get into like ruts about them, you know, so I'll really like the early stuff for a long time. And then, you know, I'll discover something new in the later stuff, or we'll do it because the Beatles episode on some album that I haven't thought about for a while. And then we get really obsessed with that. Um, but 
yeah, I guess I guess those are those are my favorites right now. Do you have a least favorite Beatles song? Least favorite. I don't know if I have a least favorite, but I will say I don't understand why so many people have Mr. Moonlight as their least favorite because I don't hate that song at all. I really like that song. It's so fun. John kicks ass on that song when that song starts. It's amazing. It's one of the only Beatles song. Actually, no, it's the only Beatles song with a cheesy organ solo. You can't beat that. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I want you, she's so heavy, he's got, you know, Billy Preston on the organ, but it doesn't have like a little chintzy. Yeah, you can't, you can't say cheesy and Billy Preston in the same sentence ever. No, Billy Preston, RIP. I know, God among men. Um, Let's see, can I think of a song that I really hate? Or like one that you're tired of hearing. Oh, you're going to hate me for this one. I will probably not. I am not a huge fan of Hey Jude. I could take it or leave it. I'm not. I'm not. The first three minutes are fine, but a song with seven minutes long and more than 50% of it is nah, nah, nah. I can skip that. I mean, that song has been overplayed. Well, it's been overplayed since 1968. I don't even know if overplayed is the right word. It's just I've heard it too much. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's... If you're going to see Paul McCartney for the first time and Hey Jude is such a yeah. wonderful experience, if you've gone to see Paul McCartney 10 times, Hey Jude is not the most. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, all right, all the fellas. People love it. People yeah. love it. But, but yeah, I, I can take know, it or leave yeah, it. Yeah. If he took that out and put something like, you know, you know, make sure high, high, high is always in the set list. Take out Hey Jude. I'd be yeah. great. Great. With make that. sure that Junior's farm is always in the set list. Good call. I, I think I, I saw him doing that once. That was around like 2012, 2013, I think, when yeah, he had I, Junior's Farm in the set list. I saw him at 2013 in Boston. Yeah, I saw that show in DC and he played Junior's Farm. He showed up an hour and a half late, but he did start with eight days a week. Nice. I think he was alternating between eight days a week and a hard day's night at that point. When I saw him the second time in 2016, he started with a hard day's night. I do like that. That chord is is fascinating to me. So it's just such a like it's an exciting noise because it's not heard anywhere else. How, how many times have you seen Paul live? Ten. Have I you have ever counts. seen him do Mull of Kintyre? Shut up. I've never seen him in Canada. I've never seen him in the UK. So just shut the fuck up because I love Mull of Kintyre. <laughs> The thing is, I don't even like Mullop Kintyre very really? much. Really? But I saw him do it with like a local bagpipe troupe. That's so fucking cool. I love that. Apparently, like one of those bagpipe guys is like the dad of someone I know. So. Really? Get that dad on fans in the run. I want to hear from oh, him. Oh, fuck. I, <laughs> if I still spoke to this person, I would. Uh, maybe time to rekindle the friendship just for his dad use him to get to his I dad. like the way you think Erica yeah. now th- this is probably a, a predictable follow-up what's okay. your favorite Beatle album and here's the thing with the the next two questions it's they're a bit these questions are kind of landmines because there's a secret correct answer and okay. there's a sec- there's a secret correct answer for this one and then the next one okay okay what's what's your favorite Beatle album Abbey Road it's a good record. 
but the the secret answer is revolver okay i'm one of those people that's fine <laughs> be one of those people no, what, what is, is it not- about abbey road that you you love well i think a lot of it i think a lot of favorites um like you were saying before it comes just from like times in your life and I really associate Abbey Road um, from when I was a kid. I think when I was trying to fill time before I was saying how like there are a couple of songs that just I remember being driven to summer camp for some reason. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, I just associate Abbey Road with such nice memories. Plus, I think that it's got a really it's got a really good mix of John and Paul output that I like and of course the an album with both because and octopus's garden yes there there is truly something for everyone there is there is and the best Ringo drum solo ever exactly yeah the the thing is with that statement is are there any other Ringo drum solos on other Beatles songs I'll say the fill in rain is really really good that's that's what I that's you know I'm I'm not a big instrumental like I don't hear that as well as some people do but yeah the fill and rain is will always be at the top and now here's the other flip side of that question okay what's your least favorite Beatle album the Beatles second album U.S. release oh oh that hurts because out of the American ones that's my favorite come on it's all covers and it's, it's not a, even it's the best good, covers it's a good rocking album it's all covers so yeah. many covers it it feels like it feels to me like an album that somebody else that wasn't the beatles made and that is exactly what happened like you know george martin parlophone had no control over what they were putting out at capital and they made that so just sent it over and fucking dave dexter jr is like all right let's make a beatle <laughs> album right are you gonna take this from here and this from here why is that my go-to accent for any sort of you know i don't know shit I know. like yeah like, he sounds like this yeah a little bit like gargamel from smurfs <laughs> i i should lean f- more into that with these shows i should just go full yeah. gargamel yeah yeah definitely do that yeah it, it would be good for my brand mm-hmm that would be different. You would, would distinguish yourself with the Gargamel voice. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to have to look into that further. <laughs> oh, good. When you find that out, that's when you're going to come on BC the Beatles because we, we need that element you, you to need, our show. You need that angle. Yes, the Gargamel there, angle. You know, there's the, the straight white guy academia professor angle. There's, there's the female angle and then there's the Gargamel angle. Yeah, and maybe that's, we'll, that, have, that's we'll have a, you debate a, a, a white a white professor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this. You're, you're getting me way too excited here. I like Eric. this. I'm really like, we've got plans. I want, I've been wanting to turn this show into performance art for so long. Ah, yes. See, this is what I mean about all the podcasts and all the voices coming out. Yeah. So many cool things, including Gargamel. Who knew? Who knew? Who is your favorite Beatle? Paul. That was a quick answer. Elaborate. I love him. He, I mean, again, part of that was because when I first became a Beatle fan, he 
had a massive world tour. And that was the way that I was able to experience the Beatles, you know, other than looking at, you know, old concert footage, which when you're, you know, a, a young kid, it looks like, you know, 200 years ago, like black and white and everything, and it doesn't look real. And then here comes Paul McCartney and his band and, you know, new songs. I know I like the album Flowers in the Dirt a lot more than it deserves just because of that time. But besides that, I think that Paul is, I think that he's extremely creative and while a lot of people say John is more avant-garde and he's more experimental and he's more authentic, I think Paul is all of those things too. And I like Paul's brand of those things. <laughs> so I think that's that's where it is. I think he's creative. I think he's, you know, for all of his perfectionism, he's not afraid to put out, you know, shit sometimes, but he just does it. And I think that's cool. He is not afraid to put out shit. Yeah. <laughs> I like McCartney three more than you do. I thought that was a pretty good effort, but you uh, know. after after the album new, it I I have a hard time holding anything up to a high standard. I love new so much. New was great. I mean, he's got this like in his like I guess modern period. Chaos and new are probably his best efforts, but with everything else, there's two or three songs that really stand out. I think that McCartney three is no exception. There's two or three songs that really stand out. Now I'm going to hit you with a vague, ambiguous question. Oh, fun. Why do you think the Beatles still matter? Hmm. The Beatles still matter because they were their story is all of our stories in some way. I mean, they came from, you know, they, they were almost impossible. The story, if it was written, an editor would say, this is, this is bullshit, this is ridiculous. It goes together too well, there's too much kismet. The things that happened to the Beatles, it, it, you know, you, it feels like you can almost put yourself into that place. You can feel like that can happen to you too because it could happen to these four working class boys from Liverpool and wow, look at what they did. And the fact that these four Dickensian street kids yeah. from Liverpool like were bigger than Jesus. Right, and all of these crazy things like, you know, just Brian Epstein coming in and never having managed before and seeing them be yeah. like, well, I'm going to do this. And less than a year later, they had a record contract. I mean, yeah. just... After being turned down by everyone else. Right. And with George Martin, who was doing comedy records, but he ended up being exactly what the Beatles needed to expand themselves when it was time for them to expand. Like just the story is, is so multidimensional. And I think that they really they wrote things that I think speak to people on a real, on a universal level. Um, this is another thing that I was talking to Christine Feldman Barrett about with her book was that, you know, they wrote in a way that, in, you know, respected women a lot more than a lot of, you know, rock and roll songs and bands did. And, you know, I think that even today that you can still speak to that. And, you know, I think part, you know, another part of it is just that, Whatever it is that the Beatles have, and I, I still can't describe why I love the Beatles and why I was, you know, just obsessed by them on first listen when I was a kid, like, I don't know, but whatever that is sparked this community 
that is now 60 years old. And I mean, look at the podcast world and the YouTube world, like it's getting bigger and bigger every single day. And that is because that initial spark, you know, spawned these, you know, mostly women at the time who got together to build something around the Beatles that's bigger than the Beatles. I mean, I can't, I can't explain it. I have no succinct answer for it. You could probably write a couple of books about this question if you really wanted to. Oh, I'm, I'm sure book, I know books have been written about the. Oh, like the uh, dream, Dreaming the Beatles. Dreaming Rob the Beatles. Sheffield's Dreaming the Beatles is all about this. Um, I'll, I'll kind of flip it more on, on you. What, why okay. do the Beatles matter to you? Or what do the Beatles mean to you specifically? I don't know. I mean, there's always something in, in the Beatles that sparks my interest, you know, whether it's the music or reading about their history or, you know, analyzing an album, you know, or talking to my Beatle friends about the Beatles. There's always something like it, it never gets old. And most things, I get bored of most things really, really easily. Like I've had a lot of jobs. Um, like the Beatles have never made me tired of them. And I, I don't, you know, there's, they've given me and the people around me so much more than just being a band. And I think a lot of that is this community aspect. And, you know, it's where I find my friends and it's where, you know, I find, you know, more of, you know, I find more of a meaning in life doing my podcast than I probably would just going to work every day, you know, so there's just so much in it. And, you know, obviously the music is really fucking good. Yeah. So there's that too. And um, since Paul's your favorite, I, I think I'll ask you two more quick fire questions, kind of okay. piggybacking off that. And I'm sure you can anticipate what these are. What's your favorite Paul song? Yikes. That's so hard. It's so hard. Would, um, it, would it be easier if I said, what's your favorite Paul song? And then what's your favorite Wings song? Because you can kind of split split the discography in two with that question. That is true. Would it do that, though? Well, it, it would, hmm. you know, split it at least somewhat. That's true. It could split it in two. And we're talking about wings before wings and then Paul before and Paul after, or we have three sections. Do we have Paul before wings? wings. Well, Paul before wings is just like. It's Ram. It's, it's some of well, the best Ram, stuff we did. Ram is, I, I don't even consider that not wings because it's pretty much wings. Well, it's Paul and Linda. Denny wasn't involved in that. Well, Denny Sywell was in it. Well, but you know, not not wings, but Denny Lane. I don't think wings is wings without Denny Lane. True. Would you say the Moody Blues are the Moody Blues without Denny Lane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can go on with but without uh, Denny Lane, but wings. If you don't have Denny and you don't have Linda, you don't have wings. Yeah. Which is sadly why there's never been a wings reunion. I know. And today is actually the anniversary of Linda's death. It's also the anniversary of McCartney's release. So it's a, it's a big, weird bookend Paul McCartney anniversary day. Yeah. So what- anyway, Favorite songs, right? Yes. <laughs> um, God. I'll, high, High, High is one of my favorite Wings songs. And the version that they did that's on Wings of America 
is one of the best rock and roll songs I've ever heard in my life. I could listen to that for hours. I have brought that to the gym and just put it on repeat and run to it because it's such a good thing to exercise too. I love it. Uh, let's see. Latter day, Paul. Actually, you know, I'll be fair to you. Can, you can split it in three. Okay. You can, you can have a pre-wing section. Early song, Uncle See, because I'm a nice, I'm a nice host. You are. You I am, are. I'm, I'm benevolent. I appreciate it. So early, early Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. I just love that. It's so ridiculous. Uh, we already talked about hi, hi, hi. Yeah. And then later period, 1980 on, there's so many things to think about in that case. But you know what I'm going to say? And this is a weird choice. I'm going to say friends to go off chaos and creation. Really? I love that song. It's got this really weird uh, harmony that doesn't fit in with the rest of the song before it. It almost sounds like the because kind of harmony. <laughs> and then I also like it because he he has said that he felt like he channeled George in that song. And so it's a Paul McCartney song that also really sounds like a George song. It's very cool. I, I keep waiting for the day. And I, I am looking forward to the day where someone on this show, I ask them that and they say bogey music. Who's going to say that? I would say that. Why? Okay, explain why you would say I that. I love bogey music. It is like, I, I think I described it when I reviewed it for a show as like 50s rockabilly from another dimension that you aren't quite, you know, going to that dimension. You're just, you know, it, it's, it's a fucking weird song. Yeah. Everything th about it shouldn't work. That's true. See, that's part of why the Beatles and the whole Beatles fandom is so cool. There's yeah. so much weird shit. Exactly. And anybody can find something that, you know, is their favorite in a weird way. And piggybacking off of that, what is your favorite Paul album? Now, I'm not going to be as nice and say, what's your favorite early Paul album? Because <laughs> that's like, okay, one of two. Three, um, if you count the, that Family Way soundtrack. <laughs> I don't no. think anyone would. No. Was, there is somebody who's weird enough to say that's your favorite Paul album. Yeah. That somebody is not me. I kind of want to punt and say Wings Across America, but I, I can't say that. You can say that. Can I? It's just such that. a compilation of everything that they did before that, though. Yeah, but it's it's a live album. They're doing things different. All right. It's my show. You can say whatever you want on my show. Okay. If you don't think that's punting, I'm no. going to say I'm going to say that. I think that is actually well, one of the best live albums ever made. What well, an answer I wouldn't accept. It's like, oh, they're all good. No, they're like, not no, all good. That's an answer I don't accept. They're not oh, all good. Okay. What's your least favorite Paul album then? I wasn't going to ask that, but now I have to know. Mm -hmm. Ugh, the stuff in the 80s comes to mind. Not a big fan of Press to Play? You know, I don't like that album, but I do like the song Press. And that's because of that video where he's oh, on the on London the, tube. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. I don't know why he says Oklahoma was never like this either. And it's like, it made me think about that for a very long time. But otherwise I'm going to have to say press to play. It's just a, it's just a terrible, terrible album. Fair enough. And now it, it's always the saddest part of the show because it means we're winding down. Mm. Erica, where can people find BC the Beatles? You can find us. Or find you too, I mean. 
Um, well, you can first you can find BC the Beatles at BC the Beatles everywhere, all the handles. Uh, you can email us if you want to hang out with us, BC the Beatles at gmail.com. And for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is Beetlepedal. Which I have to say, one of my favorite Beetle related social media names. Thank you. I was so happy when I landed on it and it wasn't taken. It's a dick joke and a Beatles thing at the same time. What could be better? What could be better? <laughs> Nothing. That's no, what. no, I, I feel like like if I was going to sum up my personality in two things, it would probably be the Beatles and a dick joke. So there you go. It's a match made in heaven. It is. <laughs> and now it's always my least favorite part of the show where I have to do my little spiel. Okay. <sighs> Fuck, I hate this part. All right. So if you're watching this on YouTube, which a lot of you seem to do, uh, please hit that subscribe button if you already haven't. And if you haven't done this too, and if you haven't hit, well, uh, whatever. If you're subscribed and you haven't done this, hit that bell notification icon so you Ding. get notified. Ding, there you go. <laughs> I need sound effects. You should be on all of my shows for sound effects. I will. I will annoy the fuck out of the rest of your guests, but invite me. I'll be happy to do it. That would, see, I, I'm Gargamel and then I have sound effects. That would be great. And most of them would be like background from Wings things. Butterpie exactly <laughs> uh what was i saying oh yeah uh please like the video actually i turned off ratings doesn't even matter so uh we, you can find us streaming if you're not listening to this streaming you can find us streaming on basically every single platform that has ever been created for podcasting uh you know your google podcasts your apple podcasts your spotify's your pod beans pod bay stitcher I think we're on Pandora. I'm not quite sure. I don't know what our pro our provider has signed us up for. So, so many options. There's so many. And I there's so many that I don't know like where it came from. Like I, I just search fans on the run sometimes. It's like, oh, I didn't know we were here. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm an Apple native person. And so like I love my Mac stuff. I use Apple Podcasts and you know, I'm such an Apple snob. I'm like, people use something else other than Apple Podcasts. Why? And they're like, it's so good. I'm like, no, I like my Apple Podcasts. I mean, I use Spotify. I mean, Spotify is a different thing. Like yeah. I'll listen to a podcast on Spotify. If I'm on Spotify, but for podcasts, I don't know. I stick with my yeah. native Apple apps. Apple, uh, I'll, I'll send you my my address. You can send the the check my way. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and on those platforms, if you really like what you hear, please subscribe. Uh, you, I think you'll like what we also put out. And uh, give us a good rating. Give us a good rating, even if you don't like the the show. Give us a good rating. I need this. <laughs> I need he, this. He really does. He's locked down in Canada. Help him. Yeah, he's falling apart at the seams. As you, some of you have met, been able to tell during this episode, <laughs> uh, but we're on we're on Facebook, Fans on the Run podcast. We're on Twitter, Fans on the Run Pod, because I couldn't fit the whole thing. Uh, Instagram, Fans on the Run podcast, where I post all the artwork I do for the shows, including the London Town ish uh, graphic I did with Erica. He made me Linda. It's so cool. And I got rid of Paul and Denny. <laughs> I know. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck Denny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's about it. That's that's well, my spiel. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. And you're going to have to return the favor and come on BC the Beatles sometime real soon. 
but we'll talk after the show. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. And to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. You can go home now. Dance on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Fulton. This has been a Showtown production.